All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about some of the recent movie and television news. And also we talk about some of the things we watched uh, this past week. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the things we watched this past uh, weeks because we haven't been uh, – <laughs> this is our first uh, episode back for a long time, I think uh, for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but let's start with some uh, some news. Uh, um, I, just randomly, let's just talk about uh, – I guess CinemaCon. We never really got the chance to talk about CinemaCon. Uh, what were some of the things that you heard from CinemaCon? Because the the, the the first day is the one I got. I heard of. I didn't hear like the the other the other days. Um, like I heard Sony's announcement of like uh, their first Latino superhero <laughs> starring Bad Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I heard. What was the character's name? El Muerte. El Muerte. Is it is it that is it is it literally in Spanish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, a Puerto Rican. Uh, <laughs> Bad Bunny, a Puerto Rican rapper. He's uh, very famous. I never heard of the guy. Uh, Raymond, you ever heard of the, the guy's music? You're hip. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm familiar with it. I'm, really? I'm, I don't I don't hate the guy. I'm not I'm not necessarily a big fan, but I yeah I, I it's it's hard to meet somebody these days that's not a fan of him. Really. I never heard of this guy. I, I didn't hear about him until like I think I guess like two years ago. Um, he's a huge deal, though. I mean, like uh, I, I like some. Uh, he uh, what made me think of him as a like a really big deal because I'd always meet people that that were huge fans of his music. But I'm like, yeah, this is just this is just people, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what made what made him a big deal to me is like I was going on I was on Disney Plus one day, and <laughs> Disney Plus <laughs> you could. You could you can see this on Disney Plus right now. There's a music video of his that he did with The Simpsons. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy did a whole music video with The Simpsons and it's on Disney Plus and it's like, uh, this guy's a big deal. <laughs> Let me see it. Let me, I'm playing it right now. Let me see. No estaba en mi teléfono. Oh, like, 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 like. ¿Qué es lo que te gusta? Fotos de otras cenas. Algún día, Homero yeah, Simpson. I'll forward a little. That's uh, that's Homer with his uh, m- uh, cell phone, and he's liking, the, I guess, the video. Oh, he's watching the music video on his TV. Okay, so now <laughs> Bad Bunny is like, he just came out of the the television uh, as like a spirit. <laughs> There's a whole new term to Icaramba. <laughs> That's a good beat. (laughs) Very like post Malone in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, guess how many uh, views on YouTube? A billion. A <laughs> hundred and nine million? Sixty-nine million. Sixty-nine million. All right. But, I mean, he has videos that are, like, 200. Yeah, probably. 200 million. Yeah, I mean, he has a, he has a, uh, the latest video that came out, um, Moscow Mule, <laughs> 25 million. I mean, this guy's a big deal. I don't know. He... <laughs> Well, Rich, what was the character the 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 Sony is because he's related to Spider Man, or it's part of, he's going to be part of the Spider Man universe. What was his character? It was a wrestler. 
El Muerto or or Muerte. El, El Muerto. El, El Muerto. Muerto. Yeah, it's El Muerto, but it's a, it's supposedly a character that showed up in like two or three comic books uh, in the Spider-Man comic books or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, how desperate do you have to be to find mm-hmm. a uh, to find a uh, you, first of all, you can't even find a hero. <laughs> uh, uh, you can't. Find, this has got to be. Uh, he's a villain, and there's no. I mean, and, and they're gonna say he's he's basically a um uh, like a, a punisher an or anti-hero. whatever. Yeah, an antihero. This. I mean, uh, this is just. But come on, dude! Don't you want to see him team up with Jared Leto and <laughs> and Tom Hardy? And plus, he's supposed to be a wrestler. I mean, a king size wrestler and stuff like that. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's skinny this bad dude, bunny. Yeah. Uh, no way. Well, there is a video of him in, in doing a wrestling bit where he is. Flying. I don't care. <laughs> he's playing on the top of the ropes. He has some skills. But uh, I don't know. I thought that was a very much a, a funny announcement that came out of nowhere. Based, you know, doing this comic book movie based on a no a character that no one knows. Even like the the you know the biggest comic book fan didn't even know this character yeah i know i mean when i when i read the spider-man comic books as a kid the only mexican or whatever or i don't even know if he was spanish it was puerto rican puerto rican he he was puerto rican uh the the, um uh the tarantula Mm -hmm. he was puerto rican i'm pretty sure Uh, i don't want to i don't want to do any stereotypes but he was from new york and then he was the villain yeah he had a great costume yeah, he had yeah, these like I mean, spikes coming out of his shoes, which I guess maybe is a little offensive today standards. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, there are, but, there are some really cool uh, Latinos. But you could work with that. I mean, character. I mean, you could update but, that character. Yeah, but this guy, you know, this. Uh, well, least, how, well, would you be excited, Rich, if they announced that Tarantula was being played by Bad Bunny? <laughs> well, he's more realistic than a, than a, a wrestler, a giant sized wrestler. That's true. Yeah. Well, it really, to me, it really feels like Bad Bunny's team. He has a team that surrounds him, and they, you know, he probably went to his team say, "I want to be a superhero now." You know, he just started <laughs> acting a couple of years ago, and he goes, "Now I want to be a superhero now." And then they, they, his team went to Sony and say, uh, "Bad Bunny wants to be a superhero. Signed his deal <laughs> with us." And they, mm-hmm. they said, "Yeah, oh, of course. Well, you know, whatever." We're we're in the bad bunny business now. <laughs> like it, it really feels desperate. It really feels like the, you know Sony is trying to tr- try to build some kind of established Spider Man related franchise. And I don't know. It's just I I I just had a fun. I just laughed at. Well, it. I, I I think that's exactly what happened because I think they said that they got the idea for this movie because um they were impressed with his performance in um in Bullet Train, mm, the Brad Pitt movie. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that comes out in like a month, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a. They're yeah, like I said, they they want to have a close connection with Bad Bunny. But oh, is there anything else in CinemaCon that came out? Uh, any other news other than like uh, more com- another Ghostbusters movie? I mean, I'm no, not I mean, that it's kind of like all known. Didn't, yeah, they didn't I mean, need an announcement. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they screened Top Gun. They screened. Uh, uh, black phone and uh, you know stuff like that. So, but it also didn't they show the av- the new Avatar teaser? And Raymond, you saw the Avatar teaser. What was your thoughts on it? Oh well, I'm not I'm not really a fan of like the original Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, you did, and you I, saw I, this I, on the with the uh, 3D, right? You saw this in 3D. Yeah, I saw it in 3D. Yeah, but but I, I it's just I do have to say though I'm, I'm not a fan of the original Avatar, and I'm not just saying that because it's it's cool to say that. I mean. 
I, I, I really never, I never really understood the appeal of it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I watched this trailer and it, it looked just like a more detailed version of Avatar. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I have zero interest in seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very detailed and um, looks expensive. Yeah. The... <laughs> So, uh, at least oh, I hear. Here's here's this. You get to see all those like avatar creatures wearing clothes. Oh, and the clothes look cool. nice, n- nicely yeah, rendered. And and, yeah, and they have new haircuts now, and they're swimming in the water with their families, and you know they're oh, going so to the war. Clothes. They're going to war. So the clothes will be Nike. And, uh... <laughs> they were yeah yeah yeah. They were kind of dressed kind of boring they were kind of dressed like the characters were dressed in the first movie like the 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 human characters mm-hmm. uh it was, it, yeah it looked it looked dumb <laughs> yeah the biggest thing that came out of uh CinemaCon was uh olivia wilde and again third papers from uh, her, her ex uh, uh that was a funny story because yeah she, that's she, awesome she was uh promoting her movie i forgot what's that called what's that movie called uh, oh yeah, we also got the trailer for that. Um, it's called "Bore Me to Death." Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Don't worry, darling. Yes, and this is uh, from the trailer. It seems like it's going to be a mixture of uh, Stepford psychological hoarder. Yeah, Stepford yeah. Wives meets kind of Pleasantville meets you know some kind of 1950s set psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And well, at the center, it's a. Uh, Florence Pugh and um, the guy who's the singer, um, Harry, Harry Styles. Harry Styles, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was not impressed by that trailer. It looks kind of hey. To be to be fair, I think it looks much better than Booksmart because I really did not like uh, Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial debut, uh, Booksmart. I, I I didn't hate the movie, but I just thought it was incredibly overrated, and I did not like her direction to it. I did not. I didn't like anything that she brought to that film as a director. And, mm-hmm. I just think that movie was very overblown by critics. And uh, this new movie, I'm like, well, you know, this at least looks entertaining. It at least looks like it's uh, visually, like it has, it looks more interesting than whatever Olivia Wilde was trying to do with Booksmart. And, um, you know, I'll watch it. But, uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily convinced it's going to be a great movie because I know there's going to probably be, again, probably a lot of people trying to say, oh, this is one of the best movies of the year just because everyone, for some reason, wants to pretend Olivia Wilde is like some type of, I don't know. A-list actor or A-list filmmaker or artist. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's strange that the, you know they pick some of these people to they really push their kind of um their status up for, for whatever reason. They you know, they kind of did that with like say Sam or uh Worthington after Avatar, you know, for, for they, they tried to do that with Elizabeth Banks as a director, but that never worked out for her. <laughs> I I kind of yeah, I mean, she's probably better as a producer than anything else. Uh, and I agree with you. With the trailer, it does stylish, – stylishly, it looks good. I mean, it looks like kind of a Jordan Peele kind of film. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I don't – you know, another – but it really looks like a Stepford Wives uh, scenario where, you know, the community is kind of brainwashed or something. And, I, and also, I, personally, I'm not I'm not really excited to see a, a movie starring Harry Styles. Like, he was good in Dunkirk, but, like – that was a small role. <laughs> Are you saying you you're not uh, you're not anticipating his Marvel <laughs> debut with the what was that no, character? I mean, what's the damn character? Uh, I don't I don't remember. Star what's think. Rich? Rich what's the, the Star character? Fox was it? Star Fox. Oh yes, uh, yeah, Star Fox. 
And that was the teaser for that was that was teased at in the, in the end of uh, <laughs> Eternals, right? Yeah, great I, movie. I, I don't, again, Eternals. here's another here's another kind of uh, celebrity that they're trying to push into like you know an A list actor. No, but that's the this is the real Marvel, which I can't explain. What do you mean? I'm, that the Sony Marvel like? Oh no, no, I'm talking about uh, compared to Olivia Wilde or you know. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, again, there's certain people that like just they try to push them because they have a big following online or something like that. And Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. think that's going to equal movie tickets or or viewers or butts in seats or something. I don't know if uh, we'll find out, right? I guess. I mean, this. This Bad Bunny movie is is gonna gonna be the ex- experiment of that, right? And also, like, um, I mean, the, I guess this Harry Styles film, I are the all these upcoming Harry Styles films mm-hmm. are going to put that up to the test. You know, are people going to watch Don't Worry, Darling? Are people going to watch his Marvel film? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't Maybe know either. I, I I don't know either. And it's really it, this year. It really feels like this year, particularly, it feels like a transitional period where it's gonna make make or break some certain movies that people are gonna think it's gonna be big. And if they don't become big, and it becomes box office poison, I think it's gonna shift our idea of what the future movies are gonna look like. For instance, Top Gun Maverick. I don't. I'm not sure if that's a a sure thing. You know. I don't know if people even know their original, and I don't know if they even care about, like, say, the you know they're trying to push this uh, Lady Gaga soundtrack, where, where she just you know released the the music mm-hmm. video for Elvis, right? No, no. for for Top no. Gun uh, Maverick. Oh, oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. Let me play this the 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 soundtrack. The 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 song. I guess it's okay. This is going to be in the end credits. <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense in the way. What was that? Um, uh, the song from the Top Gun, um, the love song. Take my breath away. Berlin. Yeah, uh, Berlin. That was. But I like that song. Yeah, I know. <laughs> in that ironic way. I mean, I don't know it's if I song. like this ironic. I don't know if I like this ironically at all. This is just kind of like a. Kind of like a funeral song or something. Raise your head, look into my wishful eyes. That fear that's inside you will lift, give it time. I can see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. It's not, you know, Lady Gaga's not a bad singer or anything. It's just the song is yeah. so boring. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a good press. I mean, everyone was talking about it last week, and uh, I guess that helps promoting the movie. And then there was this rumor that Tom Cruise would might may have might have showed up shown up as a cameo in the new Doctor Strange movie. Uh, he doesn't, and I think if he did, <laughs> I think it would at least guarantee a number you know a, a big number for Top Gun because it, it will get people talking. And I don't know if people are talking about Top Gun. Uh, 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 Top Gun, uh, Maverick. I don't know if even people even care about Tom Cruise. Well, I think they're gonna um, promote the hell out of it, and, and it'll help. It'll, it'll. They're gonna spend at least you know two hundred million dollars in promotion. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna. Jesus. They're gonna. They're gonna um, make that. Uh, maybe not domestic, but internationally, it's gonna be beer. So I think it's gonna. Uh, Tom Cruise. They know how to. Um, that he's a, a marketing 
um, guru, and mm-hmm. he'll, he'll go everywhere. So, um, yeah, he he so lo- that's it, the, that's a good thing about Tom Cruise. He loves to promote his movies. He goes mm-hmm. everywhere. He is big in international markets, particularly in Japan for some reason. You and know what? I'm going to make a prediction right now. Mm-hmm. Sorry for interrupting. No, right? go ahead. I think this movie, I think Top Gun Maverick is going to make very similar numbers to 2017's The Mummy. 2017's The Mummy. His Mummy. Oh, The, the mummy. mummy. Okay, yeah. That, that was a bomb, though. Mm-hmm. It made $80 million domestic, 330 internationally, a total of four hundred and ten. Million dollars. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, that's, that's that's considered that, I think, that's considered a bomb for him, right? But yeah, domestic. I think, I think that's I think those are going to be similar numbers for Top Gun. No, because uh, uh, nostalgia wise, he's a much bigger draw in the, uh, this movie with this movie, because remember this movie is military all around. Mm-hmm. So so this is red states, and um, they've been waiting for this. You think so? I don't know. I thought they were. Well, I, he, thought, he, I thought Red he, States he, were, he, was ready for Father Stu, and they didn't show up for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is this is uh, this is this is like, you know, you know, th- this will get approval by uh, Trump, and uh, you know, uh, Trump's gonna go. <laughs> might, you know. might ruin its box office. <laughs> no, no, not not with his folks. Whatever. You think so Trump is... was actually going to say, "Hey, I just saw a hey, I just saw Top Gun Maverick, good movie. Hey, Everyone go see it." <laughs> It su- supports the troops. Yes. Uh, what was that Zachary Levi movie that came out in December? Zachary Levi. Oh, the football, the football movie. movie. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that did well, pretty well. I mean, for a low budget um, movie. Because it, that's the Trump audience. Like, how much did that make? Like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying the the, the red states. They'll, if they're going to come out for anything, they're going to come out for top. I know, I know. They and and that Zachary Levi movie. So how much did that make? No, <laughs> just add that on top. <laughs> they, they know Zachary Levi is a fake, but Tom Cruise is their hero too. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Is he really? I don't know. <laughs> Compared to every actor, I mean, uh, I think I think Chris Pratt. I, there's a couple of people who are kind of lean to the you know are are you know more pleasantly yeah, yeah, right was... approval. Uh, Chris Pratt, I was. I'm talking about <laughs> Top Gun. I think for every of those rednecks out there, Top Gun is their <laughs> top five movies of the year uh, of their lifetime. I, well, would you say how about the Northmen? Wouldn't that be like you know? No, no, not for those fools. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Well, what about Ambulance? <laughs> no, I mean Michael Bay is known for care his... about L.A. Yeah, but Michael Bay is known for his kind of uh, his patriotic imagery and his, you know, his, you know, there's a lot of like flags yeah, in his, huh? Mindless. I, I, for the record, I don't think Trump is going to come out and say <laughs> Top Gun is my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt. <laughs> but he will, he will come out and say, "Yeah, I just watched Father Stew." <laughs> <laughs> Mel Gibson, my man. <laughs> well, he might come out in a couple of years and say, uh, "You know, El Morto is a great movie." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I wanted like to port El Bunch to Bad Bunny or some shit like that. Um, you know, I just saw <laughs> what you saw. Trump, you know, I just, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we've got an exclusive here. Trump is with us. Trump, Trump, you want to give a recommendation of what movies you just saw? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know what Trump sounds like. Ever. I, I totally forgot how he sounds like now. I just to do whatever. You know, I just saw a great movie in the theaters. 
No, wonder, a wonderful, oh, wonderful theater. Wonderful theater. The worst Trump impression I ever saw. In my life. I don't know what he sounds like. Okay. All right, keep going. Let me hear it. You got it. You got it. You know, I just saw this wonderful movie in theaters. No, he doesn't sound like that. No, he doesn't. Go ahead. Oh, keep going. You know, I just came from the movie theaters. No, he doesn't sound like this either. <laughs> God damn it. You know, I just came from the movie theaters. Saw a great, great picture. Starred, um, uh, what's that kid? Kid's name, uh, Tom Cruise, and it was a sequel, Top Gun. I think his name was Maverick. Great movie. And Val Kilmer, great salute Val- to Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer never looked better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to our. Um, let's get to our other news. You know what I really want to talk about? Really, uh, it's uh, Netflix. Netflix got a really bad couple couple of weeks. Maybe they'll start. Maybe they'll start making good movies. <laughs> well, that's no. the problem. But yeah, they announced that they lost a bunch of subscribers, and they're gonna be they're gonna lose a bunch of subscribers within the first the next the next quarter, and they lost a lot of money on their stock, and it, it continues to drop. It's very bad news for Netflix. Uh, yeah, just really quick, what's your thoughts on Netflix? Because I could really see a future, and maybe not this year, and maybe not even next year. But maybe you know twenty twenty four, where Netflix is in a really bad shape, and they'll they'll die out and they'll just collapse. I could see that happening. That's I, that's not out of the question. Now, for, now for me, the real question is if that happens or wh- when that does happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> when that does happen, all these uh, Netflix original content. Where does that go? Like, does that go to Hulu? And- it, it gets divided up? No, no. Someone will have to buy their category or their li- library, and they'll buy up all their their films. Uh, so either a you know a financial company or maybe another studio. So 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 Disney. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, whoever has like uh, whoever has like uh, um, enough money to do that. Yeah. I don't see them dying out this early. I mean, I, I, they still have a, a no. They a chan- got like I think um, maybe like a decade. I don't think it's that long. I mean, they really have to. They really have to change change courses now. I mean, they have to rethink their plan. And um, I don't know, what, Rich. What can they do to really kind of change, turn the tables now? Well, it, uh, just focus on uh, their their future um, products because mm-hmm. they they obviously didn't. And they gotta promote promote their shows better. And they, they gotta, gotta re- cancel shows. They gotta yeah, they gotta cancel not just the shows, but the showrunners. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they gotta stop making these deals uh with um yeah. these celebrity uh, uh showrunners, mm-hmm. whatever these uh they can't un- un- unless if they're actually bringing them in like, you know, substantial viewers and stuff. But yeah, there's the there's so many people that they're clearly hiring just for the name like Richard Sane and it's just it's not bringing in any results besides, I mean, getting them maybe an extra article or two online. Yeah, and they, and they need it, it, it. They need to focus more on on people that uh, that could that that you know will bring a solid product, like they like did with David Fincher. They should they should renew something a deal with David Fincher and well, do no, not but, do not but, cut him off. Whatever. How were how were how were the numbers though actually on that? It doesn't matter. It, it, whatever I mean, does it? it? I mean, because uh, I think that's part of part of what we're trying to avoid, right? They, they, well, I mean, they, they don't promote. This, they do not promote, and that's their problem too. But that was that was actually better promoted than the stuff that that's been coming out now, though. What? Um, Mine? Yeah, I mean, better than the stuff that comes out now. 
I mean, people at least knew about that. I mean, um, all I'm trying to say is I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if David Fincher's like uh, right for Netflix anyways. He still is working with them. He's still doing that. I know. And I don't, I'm not, much, not, and I don't know if he should. I mean, <laughs> I, it, I mean, yes, he has. I mean, Netflix has great relationships with a couple of filmmakers. Uh, David Fincher, uh, who's the guy who did Marriage Story? Um, well, no, Noah Baumbach. I mean, Noah, I think he's, yes. he makes cheap. He makes cheap movies. I imagine, right? right. I mean, they I must, can't imagine must. that Netflix is like paying him like you know, a ton, right? Right, right. right. No, but I mean, he has kind of made uh, Netflix's home. Last come, last like maybe three movies is from from Netflix. And creatively, he, he's made a, a big, big enough name for himself so that whatever talent uh, decides to work with him, mm-hmm. they'll take a cut. I mean, they are, or they want to do it for uh, uh, you know uh, a lot of money. They want to work with him. He's like a kind of Woody and the new Woody Allen kind of thing situation. Yeah, yeah, every where, a like, movie every year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, there's some there's some really great talent that Netflix have have under their roster. Um, my suggestion would be like quality control, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, because of the all the crap they put out and a lot of it was kind of just nonsense, really kind of just fluff, nothing, just to fill up their library of movies or t- even TV series or even reality shows. A lot of it was just crap, and and because of it, because they have released a lot of this kind of trash, uh, they have ruined their brand. They're not known for prestigious films and television shows. For instance, like when when HBO Max comes out with a new show, you know it's going to be a quality movie or television show because they they there's quality control there. Netflix, on the other hand, when some, when they announce a new show, you get the feeling that it's going to be a piece of crap, and you actually shocked when it, if it's not you know <laughs> and so uh uh it's it's uh, it's really unfortunate because i think they have made a home or at least an idea that the artist is the true leader of, of a film or a television show the writer the director you know th- these are real kind of singular voices which is not true let's say for marvel or dc or some some of those bigger studios they were trying to emphasis on the on the filmmaker itself and it hasn't worked out for them. Look, look at the bubble, Judd Apatel's failure of a of a comedy. Yeah, and the, you know we saw Metal Lords, which was the first film from uh, DB Weiss. He's the co creator <laughs> of Game of Thrones, which is the heavy metal coming of age high school comedy, and it was terrible. It was terrible. I I, I didn't I didn't think it was terrible, <laughs> but it was very mediocre. Okay, okay, you you. Uh, but not big enough to justify that deal that they made with with Netflix. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's the complete robbery, is it? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, uh, D.B. Weiss and his writing partner, uh, David, uh, what's his last name? David? Uh, Benioff. Benioff. Uh, they made a deal with Netflix recently for $200 million. And the first thing that came out of that was this movie called Metal Lords, which is this high school comedy thing. And uh, obviously they're working on, on some TV projects, which is supposed to be a big deal. And we haven't heard about, about what they're doing, but it's it's a big paycheck. And they do, they're just paying too much for these kind of creative talent and the, which haven't worked. Like uh, Kenya Barris, was <laughs> a, when he came out with uh, Black uh, uh, AF, it was a terrible show. And it was a yeah. lazy written show because it was exactly, exactly like Blackish. Well, it was blackish mixed with uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, that's true. It was his that's version true. of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that show was pretty bad, but 
admittedly, there was one good episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at something like, say, Red Notice, which I think it's going to – we're going to be seeing more Red Notices, which is a lot of A-list talent in an action-adventure film that I didn't like, but Raymond, you liked that movie. Yeah, I had fun with it. It was in the, in the kind of throwback nostalgic way because it reminded me of a lot of movies I watched in the 90s. But um, I think a movie like Red Notice is no different than like we, what we just got in theaters with like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just agree. Saying. I would agree. I think it makes more sense because it was a big – and at least at – least, at least Red Notice did well for them. It was number one for a long time, and then so it, it justifies. It's, I think it's even still like in their top, right? Or, or maybe Adam Project is now. <laughs> yeah, the Adam Project, which is another one that I didn't think it was that any good. That one disappointed me. Yeah. And it, but it also you know also starring Ryan Reynolds. See that that that's a contract that they Netflix needs to keep going because I mean well, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds is bringing numbers, bringing big numbers for Netflix. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I don't know if uh, David Fincher was bringing in those numbers. And right now, Netflix needs numbers to survive. Un- it's unfortunate, but that's what they. That's what they need. I would say Shonda Rhimes was a good good get because. Uh, yeah. I forgot what that what that show is called. Uh, yeah, I don't watch those shows, but I know Bridgerton. they're very successful. Yeah. yeah. Bridgerton was a huge hit for them, and I think that worked out well. So there's certain certain, but like their deal with uh, Ryan Murphy was terrible. All that stuff that came from Ryan Murphy was. Horrible. Although I did like Halston, which was Ewan McGregor as a that uh, fashion designer. I I did like that uh, that series, the mini series. But that was, I mean, that was it. <laughs> Everything that came out for Ryan Murphy was horrible, and all the stuff that came out, uh, all the stuff he made for F- FX did hundred times better and and more well critically. That's better. the problem with someone with Ryan Murphy because he's like he's already so married to FX. Yeah, and it's like. How how is he going to be like doing like another like running another network and stuff too? It just it never made any sense because like the basically the stuff he was giving to Netflix was like his scraps. Yeah, 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 definitely. Or things that he probably turned down of and then got turned down by <laughs> FX. Yeah, and then, then he just, like ratchet <laughs> and just tossed it to the Netflix pile. But this is this, I mean I'll I'll show you an exact example of that's involved with uh, Netflix's people. Okay. Um, on Friday, very early in the morning, whatever, it was basically Thursday night, they released a Cobra Kai Season 5 first look teaser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looked great. Looked, wow. Stock, yeah. The stock market should be, like, climbing after that. But just, like, less than eight hours later, they put up God's Favorite Idiot, the new <laughs> series <laughs> by Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which would... You know, I'll sell my stock now. I mean, oh, my, what the hell you guys doing, man? I know that's expensive. I mean, how much did they pay B- Melissa McCarthy and her, and, his, and her overpaid husband? Like, how much did they have to pay them for that? Do not put that. And shit. that's a and that's a series. Yeah. Do not put that shit on. Why would you promote that piece of shit at all? I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's, well, like, it's a it's a big name. They're big names still, and you know. But well, why have, would you ruin the opportunity? Oh, you, you got the whole Cobra weekend. Kai, the, the buzz. Cobra Kai. Yeah, the buzz. And then <laughs> I don't know because I guess the because they're big names, they ha- they think you know people are going to overlook that they made Thunder Force too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, did Thunder which, which Force Netflix, do well for them? Right? Yeah, I did it do well for I them? That's I, their deal. Netflix and shit. I mean, shit. I mean, but, like, well, like, look, look, see, Adam Sandler did very well for Netflix, they, even though their movie, his movies are terrible. But if I'm not mistaken, I think they mostly did very well early on. I think that that kind of 
that's a gimmick that kind of uh, dried up. I uh, mean, maybe, maybe. I don't. I don't think the Adam Sandler Netflix produced movies really bring in the numbers that they used to. Even that Mike, My- there's a new Mike Myers series, mini series that's <laughs> gained horrible reviews. That's again. I'm, I'm saying that there's a quality control problem in Netflix that they have to fix. And yeah, fix I mean, now. at least, <laughs> Not at least see the dailies or whatever Not you know uh, for a series that you're going to commit. I mean, watch the dailies and see, uh, and, and watch it and go, no, pull the shit now. <laughs> say this is this is horrible. As much as I I want to say that you know filmmakers, artists, writers, directors should have power, should have yeah, it's freedom, man. freedom. It's not working for Netflix, and I, no. I, I hate to say this. Maybe they should go through a test screening process to help help them with their decisions. I, and I hate to say that because mm-hmm. I, you would think that uh, uh, that's that's the opposite way of thinking. Right. And uh, uh, for whatever reason, I, I mean, no, that's no, that's not fair, Mike. I, I, I think it, it goes, it goes. It's. I think it's kind of more simple than that. It's just don't greenlight everything. Maybe, yeah, that, maybe that's it. I would say this. I did see one of the best movies of this year on Netflix, Apollo Ten and a Half, mm-hmm. a, a space age childhood, which which comes from Richard Linklater, and this and this is kind of makes me so uh, mixed feelings about Netflix because this they movie, didn't promote that they didn't anything. Pro- well, they didn't promote this movie, but it, this movie would never happen with any other studio. That's true too. Yeah, I mean, it would only happen in Netflix, and I think because Richard Linklater. He this is not a throwaway script that he had. This is something that he really took care of. I, I, I think it was shot during the pandemic. I'm I'm, I'm assuming because it was all rotoscoped animation, mm-hmm. and and I, I'm I'm assuming that this was shot during the COVID uh, lockdown. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful nostalgia. It's a, I would I would say a nostalgia piece, but because of so much detail in that movie, that it becomes a historical piece. And it's based kind of a, a fictional tale, but it's kind of loosely inspired by Richard Linklater's own childhood, living up in, living in Austin in nineteen in the summer of nineteen sixty nine during the space race and yeah, it's, during it's the a, Apollo Love and moon landing. And uh, I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant piece of film, and it's probably one of the better films of this year. Yeah, it's another it's another chapter of his life. So it, it's great storytelling. I mean, on that, on but that the one. details in that movie mm-hmm. shocked me, and how well he remembered, how well he researched. That takes a lot of work. It's not like Metal Lords, <laughs> you know. No, that's not like no. like a throwaway script that he that DB Weiss wrote like t- mm-hmm. maybe once and maybe rewrote <laughs> once and then like but, just like threw I it. Said, yeah, this really took but some also, care. Uh, also with Apollo Ten and a Half, it was very, it was really fun to just also see uh, Richard Linklater uh, reteaming with some of his old cast members, like Jack Black, who mm-hmm. uh, narrates the movie, uh, teaming up with him again after Bernie and uh, School of Rock, and also just uh, t- teaming up again recently with uh, uh, Glenn Powell, who just just did uh, Everybody Wants Some with. Uh, I think there were also a couple a couple actors that he had worked with prior. Previously, right? Mm-hmm. Probably, yes. I think uh, the the dad, uh, played by Bill Wise, who was probably in Boyhood. I think he was in Boyhood, and but he's not really. He's more kind of a known local Austin actor. Austin actor, yeah. yeah. That's what I really lo- liked about the movie. The cast is kind of you don't really know who the cast is. It's not. This is not backed by big names other than Jack Bla- Black as the narr- narration. But I mean, come on, the great Zachary Levi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. 
But I, other I, other than that, I think this is – you forget that like Richard Linklater is – he's a little bit older than the other Gen X filmmakers. He, I mean this is it takes place in 1969 and you forget how how much that was like kind of the boomer, the quote-unquote boomer generation and how much that they were so uh, inspired by the space race and how that affected you know, the just the culture. I, I thought that was a great movie. I, and it, it really kind of looked back at how the, America was back then, how the explosion of uh, uh, suburban life and and kind of how how many children in neighborhoods, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you forget all that stuff. I mean, it, even though I wasn't I didn't I wasn't raised in 1969, I felt so connected to that movie because it reminded me of the that, you know, when we used to play, we used to play outside in the neighborhoods and there were kids out there the same <laughs> age. We used to play football or whatever. Used to hang out in the back of trucks <laughs> driving in cars. What do you mean? <laughs> Jump in the back of the truck and <laughs> driving in freeways and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one where we have no seatbelts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, everyone's just piled in the Freely, background. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and fireworks and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. How, Raymond, you're you're younger than us. Did you have that same connection with the movie? Uh, yeah, of course. I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, what I really got out of the movie while watching it um, was that it was. Well, I guess you kind of said this already, but it's it's it was it's basically just uh, Richard Linklater kind of like uh, just go, going through his childhood again, and uh, it's almost like he's just kind of uh, like talking about elements that he just like didn't didn't bring up during boyhood and stuff like yeah. that. Going going a bit more into detail about certain elements of his life and certain elements of his childhood that he just hasn't spoken about uh, spoken about uh, previously in other films. Because I guess Boyhood is really the only one of his movies where he really talked about his childhood. The other ones were more about his like teenage years and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, it's just a, a bit more detailed, a bit more detailed version of the childhood portion of uh, of Boyhood, essentially. Yeah, I would say it's a companion piece to Boy Boyhood, and I would say it's definitely something that he is known for doing. A lot of his movies are inspired by his own personal experiences. Most of them, yeah, or yeah. at least the, his best films. Uh, uh, Days and Confused is very much about his high school days, and, uh, and the the before movies are real life experiences, yeah, essentially. Yeah, and um, um, just you know, everyone who wants some is based on his college days, and so I would say that Apollo thir- uh, Apollo ten and a half is uh, right up there. You know, it's like some of his best work, some of his, at least some but of the, his best films. It's probably his best film since Boyhood, or since every, I guess but, every, everybody wants some, yeah. But the the other interest, interest, interesting thing about the movie is because it's done in this, uh, in, like you mentioned, this kind of interesting animation style. Mm-hmm. And this isn't anything new for him. This is actually his third movie that he, he did in the style after A Scanner Darkly and A, a Waking Life. And uh, it's... It, it's um, if, if I'm not mistaken, because I never saw Waking Life, I only saw Scanner Darkly. I think this is like the f- first time that he actually did that animation style, but he's talking about something personal, and it's not like a uh, like Scanner Darkly is a sci-fi movie. Yeah, yeah. Waking Life is more kind of like a metaphysical documentary. It's like a, what was kind of, it? Yeah, it's 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 more kind of like a. It's not really a story. It's just really kind of like a series of of people's lives in a wake like a dreamlike state you know it's it's a weird kind of movie i really it's an it, interesting project <laughs> yeah and it makes sense that it's it's rotoscoped you know and i think i think uh with apollo 10 and a half the rotoscope you would think you know that's a gimmick or something but it 
plays into the idea that this is also kind of a fantasy in a lot of ways uh, because it's 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 him thinking about his childhood and really making up some fictional elements of the of the thing about how this kid is you know was is secretly working for NASA and that's not really that's not real <laughs> that's a fantasy it's a like but it's a boy's fantasy yeah and but just to say that this this project had to be cheap it had to be too. cheap yeah, yeah. yeah. and for them not to promote it, um, even though they didn't spend so much on it, mm-hmm. uh, that's just that's just poor marketing. I mean, that's just, I mean, just because they they didn't pay much for it doesn't mean that they they shouldn't market it at all. How would you market something like this though, or just any kind of Netflix movie? Well, oh, obviously from the uh, from the award winning director of Boyhood, mm-hmm. and um, I would I, I I don't know if Netflix I, I don't know if this is like in their reach I don't know if this would cost them a lot of money or if they maybe own it I don't I don't know how this stuff works mm-hmm. but also I would put a scanner darkly on all over Netflix on the front of the page like to get people like hey like weeks before this movie came out like get people to watch a scanner darkly mm-hmm. or just any uh you know Richard Linklater's uh, films I mean that the or even you know stuff like Almost Famous or something some, similar to it. The time. That might cost them too much money. That's a Fox movie. Yeah, or whatever you know those type of movies and uh, um, like the days. Well, I think some of I think some of them are on Netflix right now. I think Everybody Wants Some might be on there, but um, I'm not sure. But well, also released ten minutes or at least ten minutes on on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, those are. I agree. I th- I think they have to do more pushing on on international or more pushing on internet promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should have like uh, they they should really think about different forms of promotion, like say their own Comic Con. They should start their own convention, definitely. Kind of like like what Disney does with uh, what's I don't it called? Know that would work though. Well, they have to start something. Maybe, maybe well, they have they, to they're tried. They've tried. I mean, they, they 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 do have like um like days where I don't know, like a Netflix day or something. Yeah. And like you think they're gonna have some type of big event, and it's really just like one long ass boring ass video <laughs> that they put on YouTube. Well, look it's like they, three hours long. Look what having a bunch of celebrities <laughs> just like talking about boring crap. Well, look what they're doing with their comedy right now. With Netflix is a joke festival. We yeah, have a whole bunch. Of, yeah. So they could do something like that for. All their movies and all their TV shows, they just got to think out of the box a little bit. And I think with some of these uh, TV series or even this movie or whatever, whatever they think it's going to be big, they got to really build a kind of audience around it by doing a podcast, by doing a YouTube channel, by doing everything, an Instagram account. I mean, they have to really kind of attack it by all sides and i don't see them doing that I, they really feel they really although it's netflix and they're they're kind of they're the leaders of streaming content or streaming movies and television shows they're really kind of behind when it comes to promotion way behind they're still like mm-hmm. they're still just doing like screenings for critics and like uh you know special screenings here and there and maybe they release it in theaters uh, beforehand but they they really got to attack this some of the stuff and thinking of different ways to do it Maybe, and, yes, maybe you have to deal with some assholes like social influencers or shit like that. But that shit works nowadays. I mean, 
How about Bad Bunny says I saw Apollo ten and a half and it's my favorite movie and he, he you know he tweet he tweets it or Instagrams it. Dad would work. I don't know if he would like that movie, <laughs> uh, but whatever. I mean, whatever. Like Stranger what if, Things. What if, you or have, something. what if you have Trump come out and say Apollo ten and a half is my favorite movie of the year? Yeah. Well, who? Trump. Who was it? Trump. Oh, Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, that, yeah, I know, I know. I don't know. If, I don't know. If Richard Linklater would want that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know yeah. who, I, I don't think this would help. I don't think anybody on like every any anybody today knows who he is. But I, I could see Mike Judge loving this movie. Oh, definitely, Apollo Ten. Definitely, they're almost yeah. the same generation. They're almost the same age. Yeah. But does anybody today care about Mike Judge? Like, <laughs> but I mean, Mike Judge could do a. Q and A thing with Richard Linklater, or do they do something? That'd be you know, cool. I don't know. I mean, I, they, I don't know. That's what that's so frustrating with Netflix. They have, they did do that. They, Netflix did that for um that really good movie that we watched, Mike. Uh, it was a uh, Mexican film. Yeah, yeah. They uh, did an interview with the director of that movie and Guillermo del Toro, and it was it was fantastic. And I think it even boosted its numbers for a little a little bit. It'd be cool if they did something like that for Apollo Ten and a Half, like maybe a. a I, I guess Mike Judge, <laughs> Mike Judge, and uh, Richard Linklater conversation about Texas and growing up in Texas yeah. during that time. Yeah, it would be fun. I will watch that. I mean, it's just you got to build some excitement, and there's no excitement for these movies at all. I would say this just really quickly. I would say this is what they should do. They should really start doing a lower tier ad supported, you know, service where you get you don't have to spend that much money. You get an ad supported service. I, I think they should also add a live channel where mm-hmm. you just click on and what, so kind of like what Pluto does or or Tubi just a live channel cuz sometimes I I don't know what when I go on Netflix I don't know really what I want to see but if I click on a live channel and just watch something randomly I might catch something new and so I would say do that also they got to promote their movies they got to you know, maybe set set up a convention or do something like uh, what they're doing now with Netflix is a joke. That's a great start, great idea, promoting their comedy specials. I don't know. I, I mean, I, is that this is what's so frustrating about Netflix because they have so many, they have so many great content, but no one knows where to find it. Really quick, the the Netflix is a joke thing. It's not just comedy specials. They're doing also Q and A's for uh, Cobra Kai. And, oh really? Um, oh yeah, and and they're also um, doing um, like. Table reads for some of the some of their Netflix shows, the popular ones. Oh yeah, I've seen that online. Yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Seth Rogen did a table read of um, like uh, the Office or something like that, right? The Office episodes or something like that. So well, how the, do Seinfeld you, epi- Seinfeld episodes? How do you feel about uh, their um, series uh, releases? Would you go? Would you like to go for the uh, one a week, one episode a week release? Yeah, or yeah, do okay or or with the whole series uh, release still. No, I don't like the whole series release. It depends on what show. I mean, I think they should go uh 3 episodes just like HBO Max is doing. Uh the first uh 3 3 episodes right away. Mm. And then decide uh, if it's going to if it's already hit th- that way. Mm-hmm. Um do it weekly and if it's not do like HBO Max and just drop uh, drop 2 by 2. Well, they're testing it out with Ozark and uh, the, the last episode of Ozark, the last season of Ozark. Yeah, they Ozark. Split, it, split it in half. They yeah. split it in half, and the Stranger Things is going to be split in, into two the next season. 
Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they they should like release three episodes. Ozark really felt like a great way for they could have tested out a weekly show because I think that's that final season was really good. Mm-hmm. Like the I think the we 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 me and Rich recently finished Ozark, and I didn't like the first seven as much as I do the last seven. Mm. The first seven of the last season of Ozark was it was okay and i th- i go maybe they're rushing it but the last seven episodes was really really good mm-hmm. that being said i didn't like the finale the result you know the the the, fin- the final know, episode the final 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 moments but i get it and i didn't like a particular character what happened to a particular character but mm-hmm. i get it yeah and uh, and this particular character, I, I was thinking, well, maybe this character could spin off, be a, you know, maybe be the center of a spinoff. Mm-hmm. And then I, something happened where I go, oh, maybe that's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, I go, damn, that's that's terrible. But I, I guess there are maybe there are talking about spinoffs already. That there was some news that that, that that they might be talking about that. But overall, I thought it was a pretty decent ending, and. Yeah. It could have been a lot better if that was like released episode by episode while people were talking about it, because it was that you know it was kind of made to pe- for people to talk about you know which you know where are they going with this episode and what's going to yeah, happen? Had good, it had good cliffhangers. Yeah, that's like I said. I yeah, mean, so, that's what you need. So it really depends on what what series. Um, all right. Unless you want to add something else about Netflix, Rich? Well, just uh, some movies that are uh, like just looking at their uh, um, uh, YouTube channel right now. Uh, it's really surprising me. Like in the in the beginning of this month, one of their movies that, that's coming out this this I guess pretty soon is called Senior Year with Rebel Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Now this trailer is already at eight point five million. Wow, really? Yeah, that's their biggest biggest uh, hit um, on their YouTube channel for this month for this past month. And their second hit so far is probably the Cobra Kai uh, with uh, 1.7 million. But this one this is the one that surprised me most uh, documentary-wise. Our Father mm. with 2.6 million. Because uh, when I first saw when I saw this trailer, I go, "Wow, this one, this one's this one looks pretty pretty uh, interesting." Mm. And uh, just like how the staircase was um, that's going on right now um, for HBO Max. This one looks very interesting to me, and it kind of surprises me that I got so much hits in this trailer. And you know, you never know what you get with Netflix, and this this is probably going to be a huge hit, which they won't promote, or they'll just put it out. But they'll focus more on uh, uh, Penta Verite or whatever. The Michael Myers, which, which only the which this is the second trailer only has three hundred fifty eight thousand hits. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Netflix has always been good with their documentary series or documentaries that they, they have that's how they kind of started with their original content they started with documentaries mm-hmm. um all right let's get to really quick i want to talk about this the death of george perez uh george perez you know for those who don't know was a dc comic artist marvel too he did Mar- Avengers. that's right but I, I guess he's would he would he be best known for his dc work more than marvel i don't know uh, I think just like uh, are we going to mention Neil Adams also? We will. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we also got to talk about Neil Adams. He passed away a couple of weeks ago too. Yes, and both of these guys were for uh, working on Marvel and DC and being just 
known as um, incredible artists. I mean, not only for their artwork themselves, but how many characters characters they, they could fill in one page. I mean, they, and, and the amazement they could put in one page, panels to panels. This is before uh, Photoshop. This is before oh, you yeah. could like pay, copy and paste. This is all done in one actual page. Uh, doing kind of the ink work themselves, doing the pencil work themselves, and stuff. Like yeah, that. they were they were not only um, you know uh, penciler um, masters; they were storyteller masters, mm -hmm. and uh, they're um, totally to totally incredible. Both both um, artists. Well, George Perez uh, was 67 years old. He died of complications of pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. He was put in hospice for a while. You know, he kind of. Uh, he denied um, uh, uh, service, uh, mm -hmm. uh, medication, um, mm -hmm. and so he went to a hospice for, for – and we kind of reported that earlier. Mm -hmm. We talked about this, um, but now finally he has passed. Uh, Raymond, just really quick about George Perez. I mean I know you're a huge fan of George Perez and particularly his DC work. What's some of your feelings? I mean, it, it's sad. I mean, we I think we, we, we spoke on this uh, previously, right, but when he was um... – Still in hospice. He, he, yeah, he was still in hospice. So honestly, I, I, it's not, it's not a, it's a, a huge surprise because it, I mean the, the way it sounded was like that this, like that there was kind of no coming back from this, unfortunately. Yeah. So I mean, it, it sucks. It's, it's horrible. I hate that you know, um, you know, so, somebody that's such a, a, a legend and 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 such an icon and really. Uh, has uh, you could feel his influence still in Marvel and DC movies, you know, in both of them, and and their movies and TV shows, and they're even doing storylines that you know he did with uh, with Marv Wolfman, and um, and they there should be a bit more like um, there should have been more done, you know, there should have been more done, and you know, it is what it is, I guess. Done as in what you mean, like people should have been talking about this more, or it should be a little more everything, everything, tributes? everything. Everything that and also also but also they should have just done this like uh, done something to make this easier for him and his family because mm -hmm. because I mean he's the him and you know a bunch of other creators are the reason why you know all these studios are having so much success right now and all these like toy companies are making so much money and no one really uh, does anything for them and it's 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 not fair. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not fair, and I think the frustration about how we always talk about comic movies, or at least culturally, we always talk about comic. But movies. But also, but also, it's not just comic movies because remember, there's all these toy companies and stuff too. There's oh, a lot of people sure. profiting off this. True, true, true. And uh, on 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 all sorts of levels, like like small toys, and then there's like big, you know, expensive things, a dungeon, and you know, none of that portion goes to to help here. Oh no no no! Uh, you know, comic books have a long history of not paying their artists right correctly you know there was a story about i think his name is joe casey was that the guy who created america for uh america gomez no america what was it? america chavez and he was saying that how he was not paid you know for creating the character he was it's you know essentially he's uh, pay for hired well, that's a pay. given when you when you work for Marvel or DC. I mean, the, you are pay for high owner. I mean, that's, that's sure. That's and I'm, I'm, he was saying that because uh, Doctor Strange was coming out, and America Chavez is going to appear in that, or it does appear in that movie. And he was just kind of saying that um, 
he was just trying to acknowledge the problem here about how comic artists and writers are not getting paid what they're worth. I mean, just look at uh, Rob Liefeld. I mean, uh, he create, co-created Deadpool, um, but he, he uh, regardless of him going everywhere, <laughs> going to every premiere, <laughs> you know, yeah. look at me, I'm Rob Liefeld, I work for, he doesn't get a penny. No, I mean, no. I, I mean, I mean, he could, he could get. I mean, Marvel might actually pay him to make appearances, you know, just to promote for the movie. To, yeah, to promote, promote the movie. movie. Yeah. But uh, as far as creative, creative wise, no, he doesn't get a shit. I mean, uh, but it's the same thing like with Stan Lee. Stan Lee has not got paid. No, but he had. He, he, but he, he he's he was able to set a new deal in the nineties. Right. I want to say that he and he Something became like, like the main supporter or promotion promoter of Marvel. Marvel movies. He became like the spokesman, and that's basically what Rob Liefeld is for for Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's why we see. That's why we kind of know Stan Lee's name because he was mm-hmm. always there promoting the stuff, and that's why I kind of feel frustrated about you know this new kind of fandom of comic book movies or just comic books that they only kind of recognize uh, Stan Lee, and they should because he he was such a great uh, creator of this universe, and they but you know. How many people are talking about Neil Adams, for for instance, who just passed away last week or a couple of weeks ago? And I mean, Neil Adams has contributed a lot to uh, DC and some of uh, some of my favorite characters and uh, storylines. But the thing is, people hate DC now, man. <laughs> well, I don't think. Yeah, sure, I sure. But I, I, Neil Adams, just just to go back to Neil Adams, I was kind of shocked that like, kind of his when he they announced his death and he died. He was eighty years old. And it really kind of just came and went, you know that that story. And I, he, for me, Neil Adams was such a legendary artist and someone mm-hmm. who kind of revolutionized the way we think about comic art. Beforehand, it was um, Joe Ramita Jr. or Senior, actually John Ramita. John Ramita Senior. He was kind of the his art was kind of was known for Spider Man, and John Buscema. Sal Buscema. No, there was Sal. Oh, John, 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 yeah, John, John Buscema. There's a Sal too. His brother. Oh, oh, oh okay. John, Bu- John Bus- Buscema was the guy who, if we think about Marvel, you know, like draw the Marvel way, it's John Buscema's work. Well, also Steve Ditko with Spider-Man. Well, and also well, Jack Jack Kirby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But then Neil Adams came in in the seventies. Yes, and he yeah. changed the landscape of what what we became. It became more realistic. It became yes. more. Uh, his point of view of the character, the way he uses the camera for storytelling, the way he kind of exaggerates the punch and, mm-hmm. and the, the body itself. And you see that in some something like Todd's uh, McFarlane. You know, he, he, yeah. he has a great style when it comes to camera work in his drawings. And that's because of Neil Adams and, and what he did and what he did with Batman, what he did for uh, Inhumans uh, and what he did for X-Men. Definitely mm-hmm. X-Men. And a lot of, a lot of great comic book titles and so you know like i was shocked that you know he passed away i, I didn't know it, actually i don't know how he died i mean uh, but such a great great comic book illustrator mm-hmm. who also you know no one really talks about this in in, in the 90s he started his own uh comic book company his kind of creator owned comic book company that kind of failed unfortunately but it was it was the precursor to image you know yeah and it kind of it, it kind of it sparked this idea that you know artists could ca- take control and they could also take control of their artwork and their their creations. Uh, so it was you know he was always the guy who uh, helped other artists 
I believe he was also the guy who helped uh, get Bill Finger recognition, I, I want to say, from for Batman. Uh, yeah, he was also in some some sort of advocate uh, for creator uh, for um, artists and um, with along with uh, Frank Miller and some someone else I forget. Um, but all, uh, they all they always uh, some made some kind of fun financial fun, you know, some kind of you know uh, trying to back fellow creators and financially or whatever trying to trying to help their, their fellow artists out. They did what they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The comic art, uh, artists um, needed to do uh, uh, some sort of a union. Yeah, they, they need the comic artists need, needed to start a union way back when, um, and they they still haven't done it officially. Yeah, I think Neil Adams was the one who tried to fight for the union to unionize comics, and I think the the big biggest mistake that Image Comics did in the nineties. You know, you hear that story about how Tom McFarlane and Rob Liefeld and and Jim Lee kind of Got up, got up all their offices from Marvel and say we're out of here. And they went across the street in DC and say, uh, and DC thought, oh great, they're coming here now, working here. And they go, no, we're out of here too. We're going to start Image Comic Books. What they should have done, you know, retrospectively or you know, in hi- in hindsight, what they should have done was start a union. They should have started a union to help, you know, because what what's happening is like comic creators and artists and writers are dying because they don't have enough money to help with their health insurance or, you know, they're, this is all kind of self-employment and they, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case with um, George Perez. Cause I don't know the specifics of how he, how he got in the hospice, but I'm saying, you know, there have been a lot of stories about how comic artists haven't, haven't have a lot of money for their health insurance when they get older. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. And that's because there's no union in the comic books. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out about, you know, George Perez and Neil Adams, some really great legendary artists who has inspired me through my years. You know, uh, I love their work. George Perez has made, you know, some of his best pieces have become posters, have become, uh, you know, great, great lithographs and stuff like that. I mean, his, his, his work is fantastic. He's kind of the... He's known for his, you know, his his uh, aerial shots of all the comic book characters in, in one, one splash page. Neil Adams is known for his realistic, dynamic style of storytelling and his, you know, his he's a great illustrator, too. These are two great craftsmen, and we should just acknowledge their work. Uh, Raymond, do you have yeah. any final words? Yeah, I mean, two, two absolute legends that definitely... Um influenced Mike to go uh, spend his entire Comic-Con showing his artwork in line. <laughs> Early on. You missed, might... out, you missed out on everything to wait in those lines. <laughs> yes. Uh, Earlier in my life, I wanted to be a comic artist, and I would stand hours, hours, like for f- like at least six years straight in Comic-Con in lines. And I you know, I get to talk to some of the people in the lines. That was great. But I missed out on all, a lot of <laughs> great uh, conventions. Uh, uh, movie premieres and stuff like that because I'm stuck in line. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, George Perez. <laughs> Thanks, Neil Adams. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted to do when earlier in my life. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, look. <laughs> continue. But continue your final words, Raymond. Uh, that was my final words. Rich, your final words. Yeah, as far as uh, um, uh, George Perez goes. 
I always always remember the Avengers, one of the Avengers uh, comic books that I I, I um, picked up as a kid, and I know I kept for the longest time because I remember always seeing it in the back of the toilet and uh, <laughs> I used to read it in the toilet several times. It was Avengers number two hundred, a double issue comic book, and um, that's it's one of the best comic books I've, I've seen. Although it's one of the most controversial comics if you ever read it. Uh, it's, it's, it's drawn fantastically and, um, uh, it's just totally, I, I remember, I remember memorized every panel and all that. Well, speaking of a, a like a controversial, uh, 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 comic book, uh, this is a comic book that I remember the cover, Neil Adams cover. And this was yeah. kind of very big in the, in the early eighties. It was the green lantern, green arrow crossover where speedy. Mm-hmm. got addicted to drugs <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's doing like he has it's the famous cover where he has he's holding his arm and there's crack cocaine in, in the front of the table and where a shocked uh green arrow and a, a green lantern is standing behind him and that was like a famous you know cover and yeah was, that was the, yeah, uh, the... Fa- famously adapted in the cw arrow show show <laughs> With uh, Austin Butler playing uh, DJ uh, Junkie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that was inspired by the uh, the uh, Don't Do Drugs uh, campaign. Uh, campaign with the you know uh, Nancy Reagan campaign. I, well, I think it's yeah. I think it was just in the seventies, wasn't it? Where where the Don't Do Drugs was in the in this in the eighties. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, it was. Uh, that's how socially biting. That's how that's how kind of stark <laughs> the, the the comic books was in the 70s. That's how they, they went for it in the 70s. And I, I, I don't see that happening now. I don't see, like, comic books. Look, I haven't picked up a comic book for a very long time. But the comic books I hear that are being released seems very, very geeky. <laughs> very, like, nothing. Like, they're not uh, tapping into, like, real stories. Very shallow. Very shallow. Kind of like the, kind of like, uh, the movie we just got, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse <laughs> yeah, Madness. Very, very performative kind of ideas. And they're not really touching into real stories and real kind of uh, problems that society is uh, dealing with. Uh, and they don't want to because, again, I think, I think we're living in a, in a time of great escapism. And I don't think people want to really deal with these problems. They want to escape nowadays. And maybe that's a problem itself. Anyway, I just want to just say, you know, um, thank you for all the great artwork from Neil Adams and George Perez. And, yeah, we'll, we'll say that. Um, really, really, really quick, Rich, let's say – let's just talk about some of the things we saw this past week. Um, you saw The Offer, which is yeah, the – Yeah, I, start, I started watching The Offer, and I think I'm think I'm episode well, four. Explain yeah. it. Pl- explain what The Offer is, though. It's the making of the uh, the uh, the Godfather, the one with Miles Teller, and uh, um, uh, it's it's a pretty good show. It's on Paramount Plus. If you're a fan of the Godfather, you got to watch it. It's 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 sort of um, um, you know uh, uh, soap opera, whatever kind of feel to it or whatever. But it's it's still entertaining. It, doesn't it feel like movie of the week type of performances and? F- you get over it quick. Okay, it's fine. You get you you get once you're rolling with it, you you get rolling with it. So you I like mean, this? It's, the- it's 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 uh it's got enough information in that in there to entertain you. Okay, and that's what I like about it. It's 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 I didn't know such. I really didn't know uh, that much about it that that it was so 
uh, mob oriented or whatever, um, enforced and all that stuff like mm-hmm. that. All, all every, you know, everything that you know. Uh, I didn't know they had to go through. He really had to go through so much, but it, it's obviously it, it it's made for television, so they gotta you know keep your expectations pretty realistically. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I tried watching the first episode and I go, I don't know if I like this because the acting was the acting was okay, but like some of the scenes just felt like very much like a TV movie or a TV miniseries of the week. Uh, but you saying you like it? You like the how many episodes have you seen it already? Four so far, and I like it. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I started watching uh, the uh, the staircase, mm-hmm. the adaptation of the documentary that was very popular in Sundance Channel. And it's a kind of a true crime series that stars Colin Firth. And it, is that is that where we saw it, the Sundance Channel? Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember having that was the a Sundance long Channel. time ago. That was a long yeah. time ago. This is like kind of it's, this is I would say the Staircase, the mini, the documentary miniseries, yeah. was one of the first tr- really crime true crime shows that kind of sparked that genre. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously Netflix had some uh, true crime uh, shows years after. That kind of made it very popular, but the staircase was kind of one of the first ones where you go, "Oh, this is almost like a real kind of roller coaster ride." Uh, Who done tri- it? Kind of, yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a about a real guy, Michael Peterson, who's a, a novelist who gets uh, accused of killing his wife. He finds his wife dead on the bottom of the staircase, and he he gets accused of murder, and he's trying to clear his name. And Colin Firth is very good in the show. There's a mm-hmm. good, good stat cast. You got Tony Collette, Michael Stubarb, uh, and Patrick uh, Schwarzenegger, who's very good in the first episode. He's yeah. uh, uh, Sophie to- Turner is also in it, and a couple other uh, names too. This is directed by Aton- Antonio Campos, who also did um, uh, uh, Christine with um, Rebecca Hall. That's the biopic about the. TV reporter who killed her killed herself on live television, very stark movie uh, drama, and this kind of feels the same kind of way. This is very stark. It's very kind of real. I mean, the, the there's a murder scene in the first episode. Well, I only saw one episode, and but in the first co- first minutes of the show, where it, it feels real. I mean, Tony mm-hmm. Collette. This is now a spoiler, but she is the playing the wife, and she is the one who's the murder victim. And there's points in where she is lying on the floor. I go. Is that really her, or is that a dummy? Or I mean, it looked very <laughs> real. I, I'm yeah. like very. I was very blown away by the just the the real kind of realistic way they portray this. And I, I, so far, I was very very um, impressed by it. Yeah, but uh, we only saw the first episode. But we will, we will finish the next two episodes, which is available now on uh, what was it? Uh, HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah, and like we're saying, we saw the last episode. Last. Uh, the last season of Ozark, which is we would recommend that series. Mm-hmm. Raymond, have you seen any kind of TV series or any kind of movies or anything? No, not recently. Okay. okay. Uh, also, um, we've been we also been watching under the under the banner of uh, of heaven. That's oh, the uh, yeah. the tr- another true crime series um, uh, on Hulu uh, that's still going. And I think we saw the first three episodes or just two. I think it was it's three. Three, yeah, three. And this one stars Andrew Garfield and Sam Worthington and Daisy Edgar Jones. Um, uh, it's kind of slow for me, mm-hmm. but um, 
I hate the flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> I really wish it was just a. I really wish this is a one shot movie. I wish they could have edited this down to a movie. But that those parts, I really hope it was more of like a. Um, um, yeah, I really, I really wish it was a more like a mayor of East Town kind of better like uh, storytelling to it. Mm-hmm. But they went darker. Um, some of the performances are pretty damn good. But I really hate the flashbacks. <laughs> I, well, I know there's, a, I know there's going to be something to it. Eventually, are you talking about the flashbacks about the religion? Yeah. Okay. So this, this, this under the banner of heaven is about a police detective. This is based on mm-hmm. a true story too. This is also based on a novel or a book. And it's a um, Andrew Garfield is playing mm-hmm. a Mormon police detective, and he's investigating a the murder of a mother and daughter who appears to be connected to the Mormon Church or a, right. a, a, most, mostly just a Mormon family that's mm-hmm. kind of known. It's Mormon town. Yeah, it's no, it's in Utah. It's based, it's set in mm-hmm. Utah, and I like the idea of the Mormon flashbacks because they kind of go into the whole the whole uh, historical uh, beginnings of the Mormon religion. And some of the founders of the Mormon, and we get these kind of quick flashbacks of, of some of the historic content yeah, of that. Yeah, it's not as annoying as the flashbacks in Animal Kingdom, but uh, it's just you know, <laughs> Animal Kingdom. Yeah, but it just uh, I, I kind of wish it was just like a, a, a one shot movie. I, mean, well, I could have okay. dealt with that more and better. But Andrew Garfield is doing such a good job on it, and so far Sam Worthington is too, which um, I know he's going to be more of it. What's but, your what's um, your what's your thoughts on Daisy Edgar Jones, who is the the murder oh, victim, and she's the, in flashbacks we see her alive, but she is the the woman who was killed in the beginning of the show. Yeah, uh, electrifying. I I really um, hope to see her in more stuff too, because uh, if this does this doesn't do that great, um, I know she's. Uh, I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna see her again, and I'm gonna go. Where is she from? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, she's got. She, she, I already got. This her is the in my first thing. Going. The first thing you saw her in, right? Yeah. Well, she's like she, you're gonna kidnap her. <laughs> she's gonna, she's <laughs> gonna go missing, from? and yeah. we're gonna be, and it's gonna be a mini series about Rich's life. <laughs> no, but I, I I agree with your with what you're talking about. Daisy Edgar Jones is very good in the in this in this show. I seen her in a movie called Fresh, which is kind of a horror. Oh, okay, that's on Hulu also. That's on Hulu too. Yeah, she's a, a horror. That was a kind of a dark horror comedy with all, with uh Sebastian Stan and she's very good in that in that and that's kind of like a dating gone wrong thriller and it's and she's very good in that. Mm-hmm. Uh but she apparently she is known for starring in Normal People which it was a mini series. Uh she's a British actress and she's in here she's playing a Mormon American Mormon and you don't uh, she does a really good American accent. And Normal Normal People was a big hit and, and during the pandemic it was one of the most seen Hulu mini series. And so, yeah, and this is FX. It's on FX now on Hulu. Uh, yeah, but let me just quickly say that this is created by Dustin Lance Black, who mm-hmm. who wrote uh, Milk, and and I I enjoyed the whole kind of Mormon aspect of the show. I, it really got it. It really kind of shows how religious and devout religion for certain people will kind of be corrupted by that and become more conspiratory. Because the whole idea is that this family that she marries into, who are Mormons, and she's a Mormon too, the, the Daisy Edgar Jones character, and she finds herself involved in this family that becomes more kind of devout and more kind of fanatical about the religion, and it, and it, ultimately it, it ends in violent ways. Uh, 
And I love the fact that Andrew Garfield is also playing a guy who is a Mormon mm-hmm. and who's, f- from what we could tell, just a really great guy. But he's very conflicted because he has to deal with his own religions and some of the kind of what ha- what happens in the in the show. And he is um, conflicted by that. And, and I also love his partner, of course, played by Gil Birmingham from Yellowstone. And they have great um, chemistry. chemistry together. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to really love about the show. I really, I think I love it more than Richard does because I, I yes, you're right. It, it is a slow burner, but yeah. I love this whole kind of about the idea of the the how religious how religious people can be kind of and it, it, you know we're using religion, we're using Mormon, but it really it just is about people and how mm-hmm. sometimes they can be fanatic, fanatic uh, can turn fanatic mm-hmm. and become so. Uh, uh, distorted in the way they think just because of certain uh, certain problems with the family and stuff like that. And, and like I was going to say about Andrew Garfield, he's playing a character who is kind of a normal, good-natured guy. Mm-hmm. And usually in these type of true crime series, it's usually the detective who is horrible. He, he has a, he's divorced. He, he's, he's, he's borderline alcoholic. That's not the case in this one. He's, this is guy, this is a guy who kind of loves his wife, has a really great family. And I think that was a, a surprise aspect that I didn't realize in the show. Like this is totally different kind of from other kind of true crime series. Anyway, yeah. I really enjoy it. It's it's it was playing now. It's on Hulu, FX on Hulu, and it's a really interesting show. It's a slow burner, but I, I was uh, really impressed by it. And I'll also like to um, um, suggest Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. We talked about it last time. Well, we we finished it. We loved it, but I don't know if they'll get a season two. If it gets a season two, we'll start watching it right now. It'll be, it's worth it. But if it doesn't, it's just going to be one of those sorely missed ones. Yeah. Uh, we're big fans of that. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. We'll be back hopefully very soon with a new episode. Uh, yeah. Talking about winning time because this is the last episode coming oh, up. Oh, winning time. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to finish that up. All right. Bye-bye.